Hello, and welcome to Nostalgia Arcana. I'm your host, Doug Leaf. Each episode of this podcast, we'll look back on the movies, TV, games, people, and phenomena that we still love talking about all these years later, and ask ourselves why these bits of pop culture still enchant us today. This week, we'll be revisiting... the 1990s, developing tech allowed game manufacturers to begin taking the fanciful worlds of 2D platformers and transferring them into a 3D space. That provided both opportunities and challenges, and today's game, Crash Bandicoot, is right on the cusp of that. So we're going to have a lot of fun digging into the ways this game was uh, you know, ahead of the curve, behind the curve, um, really right there at the vanguard, and and sort of the ways in which it, it helped shape what games would become over the next several decades. So I'm really excited to dig into this one and to help me do it. Uh, I not just have player one here, but also a player two. Uh, and he is the host of the Teamworks podcast out of the UK. Please welcome to the show, James Hughes. Thank you for having me, Doug. And nice to be on the show, mate. Yeah, I, I, well, I should mention I, I you were kind enough to have me on your show not that long ago, so uh, happy to return the favor because um, I, I really enjoyed our conversation, and I'm excited uh, to talk about Crash Bandicoot with you. Um, this was your pick, so I want to hear why. What is it uh, about this game that you're nostalgic for, and what is it that you know you were just chomping at the bit to talk about it? Well, it was it was a game back in. My childhood, um, just remember going on the PlayStation 2 and playing it. it. It was just one of them games where you think, wow, you know, it's adventure. It's it's so fun. And when you're a little kid as well, uh, them type of games, it's like a platform type of game, isn't it? So you're, you're running and you're constantly, you're, you're opening box. But it was, to me, it was... The character, the way they made the character, I mean, a fox that could spin. Um, um, the the favourite word was Boonaga, and I, I used to love hearing that voice. You just knew it was a good game when you... And it was the fact that you started off in a... Uh, it, basically, you were... It got choices to go in each different world, and I thought that was brilliant because you had different choices to go in each one and once you completed one you go on to the next one and so on so it was to me it was the platform style to the game plus i I do love the way they made the character there's so much about this that i can see being hyper appealing to someone who's like the right age when it comes out because it takes so many of the things that platform games had done before it like you sort of talk about like the way you go between different kind of fanciful uh, worlds. And it's like, they, they literally just said like, let's take this from like Mario and stuff like going all the way back to the early days of the NES and kind of said, all right, so what does that formula look like in 1996? Um, Now, how old were you in 1996 when this came out? Six years of age. Okay. Right. I would have been 16. So I I think that that age gap is going to be interesting because 
this was a uh, this falls into a little bit of a hole in my gaming history because I didn't own a PS one, uh, which is what this came out for originally. The original uh, Crash Bandicoot. I think the first three are all uh, uh, PS one games. I'm not certain, but could have been PlayStation two as well. I'm sure there were some because just like with Mario and Sonic and some of these other characters, every uh, console was looking for their flagship mascot character. And so this one, this was the winner for for the early PlayStation days. Like, yeah, Crash Bandicoot was that character. And so, yeah, for me, like I was, you know, right there at the end of of, uh, high school. And so I wasn't doing quite as much gaming at that time. I was very, very just over overwhelmed with all of the busy stuff I had to do in my last few years of high school. And so I didn't have that console generation. I skipped that one. I went from the SNES and then eventually got a a GameCube later in college. Um, So between there, I did do some PC gaming, but most of the console stuff just kind of just didn't happen. I just kind of skipped over it. And so I would see Crash Bandicoot in like dorm rooms and stuff at college. People were playing it and I sort of looked at it and I was like, okay, this is very colorful. I see why I get that. But I never like had a chance to get my hands on it until much later in life. Um, and, but yeah, like it has so much that's just like, you know, we, we know how to deliver this format of a game. But even then, there's there's more to it than that, right? There's so many things that fell by the wayside of like, you know, who, you know, does anybody still care about Gex the Gecko? Like there were there were tons of these things, you know, that just went away. Um, Crash had a little more staying power. It, it did, and it was a good game as well because it it was one of them. Uh, when when I first had the PlayStation One, it was like there wasn't many games I played. And coming across that, it was a game that you could play on and on. Um, and sometimes it'd be frustrating because if you can't complete a level, you keep going back. So then you you just keep going back to, until you complete it. So then you you look at the time and you think it's two hours later, and you still you're still trying to complete a certain mission. But um, it, it's great that they kept Crash Bandicoot going, and obviously they've made. A few new games since, and the the way they've made them from two D to three D, and uh, the graphics now is just outstanding. And you know, technology it's it's brilliant the way it's going forward. Well, it's really interesting because, like I said, that first one especially, which is like the one that sets the template for what the series is. It really is right on that cusp in 1996 where the PCs could do certain things in 3D for a few years before that. But as far as a home console market, this was the first time other than like, say, a fluke like Star Fox for the SNES um, that a console could do something in 3D. So you look at it from a design perspective and you, you can really see the like, okay. Um, if you look at the the history of it, they, the developers were inspired by things like Donkey Kong Country and Sonic, these 2D games, and said, said they want to do this in 3D. And the, the thing they came up with, they just called it the Sonic's ass game for a while because the whole game, they figured, well, your, your camera is kind of going to be up and behind this character and you're going to be staring at his ass the whole game, which you kind of are um, through half of it anyway. Um, but it, you can see that like tentative design. You, I think it's a good comparison to compare this with something like Mario 64, which took a very different approach to like, how do we translate this tried and true format into the third dimension? Yeah, it's incredible. And you look at, like you say, Mario, you look at Mario now and that's in outstanding itself now. So, you know, looking at Crash Bandicoot now, 
if you look back years ago, back on the PlayStation 1, um, obviously years ago, we thought the graphics were amazing. And uh, you look back at them now and you think, crikey. That that wasn't that wasn't the greatest, was it? <laughs> this era, yeah, the very first like generation of three D stuff looks pretty rough uh, by today's standards compared with even the next generation, the, the PS two generation. It looks a lot better. This is this is like all these characters are highly pixelated, sort of like amalgams of like Doritos. Um, they're they're very odd looking potato chip people. Um, but what's interesting is setting aside the visuals, like the design, like how are we gonna make you know what is a a traditional Mario level, you know, I, I run from the left to the right. I jump on all the things to get from this one side of this obstacle course to the other. What does that look like in the third dimension? And I actually think that Crash Bandicoot looks and plays more like what you would expect a Mario level to be in 3D than what Mario 64 did. They took very different approaches. Yeah. I mean, if you want to talk a little bit about like kind of what a, a, a standard Crash Bandicoot level plays like for maybe people who haven't played it. Yeah, definitely. And you know what? I, th- I think people, if people haven't played it to this day, I mean, I'm pretty sure there's a load that's already played it. But if you haven't, it's a good way to get started into the Crash Bandicoot universe. I mean, the only thing is, though, if they make another one, is it going to come to PlayStation now? Because obviously Xbox have took over the um, evolution, is it? Well, I'm not sure because Naughty Dog... So th- this is a Naughty Dog game. This was the game that put that studio on the map. Yeah, Naughty Dog is now a Sony first-party studio. So if people don't know who Naughty Dog is, uh, you've probably heard of The Last of Us by now. They're the game... They're, that's a game that they made. Uh, it's none of the same creative people behind... Crash Bandicoot as Last of Us, but it's the same studio. So I think any future Crash Bandicoot stuff, Sony still probably keeps in their ecosystem. I'm not 100% sure on that, but I I think that getting back to like what a fundamental Crash Bandicoot level is, I mean, they're basically hallways that you... So you're running from one end of this hall, what is functionally a hallway, to the other, and it's relatively a narrow space. Like, imagine like Mario 1-1 turned 90 degrees so you're actually going down the chute and like yeah you you can go a little bit laterally to the left and right to dodge obstacles but basically you're running towards or some towards uh uh yourself like towards the camera or away from the camera down this hallway as you jump over and onto enemies uh smack them with a, a spin attack um but because of that like narrowness to these spaces it, to me, that's why I said like that, that to me feels like we took a standard 2D Mario level and made it 3D. This was what that would look like from Mario's perspective, this this hallway kind of design. Yeah, uh, and it's, it's incredible to see. I mean, it would be nice to see Mario going that way instead of 
that way, wouldn't it? You know, so it, it, it would be amazing to see what Mario looks like as a hallway, you know, running down like, you know, Crash Bandicoot. I mean, it would. That is kind of, there are, there's at least one Paper Mario game that does that, where you flip the perspective from 2D to 3D, and that's what it does. You're now in a hallway as Mario. Um, so they've, they've done a little of that, but again, these games kind of give you that experience anyway, of like, you know, um, you're, you're, when you see a bottomless pit to jump over in Mario, here it's there, but again, it's it's something you jump over in three dimensions as opposed to two, um, and you have to navigate. But yeah, I don't, I'm not aware of any other series um, there may be some other like also ran PlayStation games that use this like hallway format, um, but it really feels unique to Crash. Yeah, definitely. And you know, uh, when when Crash Bandicoot came out, I really enjoyed it. And then, obviously, you you've heard the Temple Run. You remember Temple Run? Oh, sure. That yeah, that's a popular. Yeah, those are still there on iPhones. Yeah, Temple Run. Yeah, and that came out, and I it just got me thinking about Crash Bandicoot in that layer, you know, running down a hallway and all that, and uh, yeah, games like that were incredible. I mean, like you say, yeah, the graphics have gone absolutely fantastic now, but they also had Crash Team Racing. And that was another um, fantastic game. Obviously, yeah, it wasn't more of a running down a hallway or something like that, but it it was a really good game. And then, obviously, they brought Crash Team Racing back out for the PS4. Um, they remade that. And uh, I can see them maybe doing a crossover with Crash Bandicoot and Sparrow the Dragon. We keep missing out Sparrow the Dragon. Sparrow the Dragon was like... Crash Bandicoot's brother, in a sense, um, because they were on from the same universe, I believe, weren't they? I'll take your word for it, because again, these are these are holes in my my gaming history. Um, but they certainly, if they're not literally related in terms of plot and character, they are of a piece. Um, because Spyro Spyro's more open ended exploration. Spyro is like halfway between a Crash Bandicoot level and what Mario three D became. And like in a 3D Mario game, starting with Mario 64, instead of giving you a hallway to run down, they give you essentially a three-dimensional playground and then give you uh, objectives to do within it. So they might hide eight coins somewhere within the level and you have to use Mario's tools to navigate around this area, get to all of them, and then complete that goal. Um, so it's not as linear. And Spyro is kind of halfway between the two. Yeah. To- totally agree, and um, that, I hope they make plenty of more. And imagine if they brought a um, Crash Bandicoot TV series out. Now that would be very interesting, wouldn't it? I I wasn't. Sh- I thought I had seen something that they had. Tr- they did make a Crash Bandicoot cartoon back, you know, contemporaneously in the nineties. I didn't have a chance to look at it for this podcast, but I believe they did make one because once this thing was a hit, they you know, unsurprisingly. They went all in on it. I mean, because the the template for this had already been laid out by Mario and Sonic and stuff who that had had animated series and stuff to go along with them. Uh, so like they they knew they're like okay we Crash Bandicoot's a hit we we know exactly what to do with this. Doctor Cortex is a genius, a mental aberration. He's totally fixated on world domination. The local island creatures are dull and obtuse until the evil doctor turns on his 
excuse. He wants them for his troops. They come out income hopes, most especially Crash. Crash Bandicoot should have been a genius, but he doesn't quite compute. Crash! Crash Bandicoot! Anything can happen now that Crash is in pursuit. Tom has been selected for running through the blender. Crash will fight to save her. He'll never surrender. He'll vanquish any villain to set his girlfriend free. He doesn't have a clue about how to proceed. His heart's in the right place. His brain's been rearranged. Unsuccessfully. Crash! Crash Bandicoot! If Cortex isn't beaten, he'll reign absolute! Crash! Crash Bandicoot! Play our game and tell your friends, so we'll make lots of loot! Yeah, definitely. And do you know what? I think I remember seeing a clip of that cartoon, but also just seeing it as a live action TV series, I think would be pretty cool. I mean, you look back, you look at the last Crash Bandicoot game they brought out, they made them look like, you know, like he could be in the TV series already. It's got that texture of, um, you know, graphics design where you you look at, for instance, you look at Uncharted 4. Now, that just looked like a movie in itself, didn't it? Um, and I was thinking, what can they do afterwards? Um, you know, if if they do make a movie, how can they make it as good as the Uncharted Four, which Uncharted Four looked like a movie in itself? Um, but obviously, you know they can, and uh, Tom Holland was brilliant. So just imagine Crash Bandicoot, um, being a movie or TV series. How would they go about it? I mean, they could possibly do. A Mario style, like you know, the Mario um, Bros um, movie, where they introduced bits of the game inside it. So yeah, they could do. Well, there's two options for something like that, right? They they do the Mario template, which is very successful, or they do the Sonic template, which was also very successful in saying, "Well, we'll take this animated character and transplant him into the real world." Yeah. Um, and what you're talking about with that last Sonic, I mean, not Sonic, uh, Crash game. Basically, I mean, there are lots and lots of crash games, but there's kind of this primary trilogy of these th- of three games. And then they did a, a fourth one very recently as like kind of a, a throwback and a, you know, a way of the, the company kind of honoring their history um, to, to do that. And in between that, yeah, you've got racing games and other stuff like that. But um, it really is, for the most part, your experience of those three original games. I wonder, you know, if they want to keep this alive, do they do, you know, something more like they did with Sonic Frontiers and like, say, we're going to make an open ended world to run through as crash rather than hallways. Um, But we should probably talk a little bit about like, you know, you've talked a bunch about now, you know, what if they made it into a movie or a TV show like that requires a character, um, not just a collection of polygons, but a personality. Um, So do I, I imagine then as a kid, you must have been really enamored with the like the the roster of characters that make up the world of, of crash bandicoot. Are there any that stood out to you? I mean, obviously crash himself, but anyone else in the, any of these other characters that meant something to you? Uh, in crash bandicoot itself. Or... Well, I'm saying obviously he's the main character, but like the villains or the other side characters were there any that you were like, Oh yeah, I really like um, Tawny or, you know, Neo Cortex or some of these other characters that populate the world. Yeah. Well, I did like, um, uh, 
forgot his name. The uh the he, one that I mean, his head was like they made his head like big and round. And the oh, what was his name? Is that Neocortex, the the villain with like the giant, big giant head? Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I did like him. I, I thought he was really good. But Doctor Cortex, we have not determined the cause of past failures. <laughs> Moron! This Bandicoot will be my hero, and he will lead my Cortex Commandos to world domination. This time, I shall reign triumphant. <laughs> we are closer than ever before. Quickly, into the vortex! The Dr. Cortex, the Vortex is not ready. We have no idea what it could do. <laughs> Failure again. Capture him! Uh-oh. Prepare the female bandicoot. There's, there's so many of them. Uh, the, the, the characters, the, the, some of the characters I forgot the names to, so... Um, mm. But... Well, it's only been 24 years or so since the game came out, right? 28 years. Yeah, crikey. That, that's mm-hmm. how long ago it was. On the, um... I was going to say, that's the downside to doing this podcast. Is it As fun as it is, it does make me feel even older than I already am to go like, oh, crap. This thing is 26 years old already, either 28. Um, yeah, I, I mean, again, it's hard for me to personally get invested in these characters because I came to this very, very late. Yeah. Um. So I think you know, if I was six, like you know, I have, I definitely would have glommed onto some of these characters and been all in on their their world and their mythology. Um. It's a very like it's a strange premise. So basically, the Doctor Cortex, uh, uses this evolution ray yet again, another borrow from uh specifically the live action Super Mario uh movie. Um. But yeah, this evolution ray he partially evolves Crash uh, to have sentience along with a bunch of other animals. And he basically says, F this, uh, and escapes, uh, and then you're there to, to take him down, uh, take the bad guy down. And that's sort of it. But it's also like set against this crazy jungle aesthetic, which makes sense given the thing had Donkey Kong Country as its inspiration. But like, it's super like tropical. You've got these like tiki masks that are kind of like a token in the game that are a big part of it. These like all of these uh, mystical tiki characters. So really just this odd Polynesian thing centered around a, a Tasmanian animal. Yeah. That's what, that's what I was going to say. Um, next was, um, my, uh, sorry. Um, Crest Bandicoot reminded me of, um, Tasmania. Oh, he absolutely does. I mean, yeah. First of all, not only the, the look of him, like the Tasmanian devil, like the, the Looney Tunes character has this body that's sort of like, he's basically shaped like a surfboard kind of, and he has no neck. Um, and Crash Bandicoot has the exact same shape. And I know that's partially because of the PlayStation's limitations at the time. Like, they probably had limits on the number of polygons they could use to make Crash. And it's you. I've noticed it because when I went and played these remastered versions uh, that they put out and then the new one. And they're like, I see them trying to give him a little more of a neck. So he doesn't quite look so much like a surfboard with eyes on it. Um yeah, just a really odd little design, but you're right. It absolutely evokes the Tasmanian devil, especially with the spinning around. Yeah, the spinning around was, um, and obviously he, he went boomer, uh, boomerga, but he, he did, the only thing he didn't do, which Tasmania uh, does, um, is he, he puts his tongue out and spits, doesn't he? 
Yeah, he doesn't. I can't even remember Crash talks very much. I feel like he's kind of a silent protagonist in one of these. He makes like little noises and stuff, but he doesn't. The other characters around him all are verbal, but he's just. Am I crazy or am I right? I, I can't remember. Well, uh, when when it was game over, you know, if, if you didn't complete a level and you failed it, he'll go, "Oh no," or something like that. Yeah, but mm-hmm. no, he didn't say many stuff. I mean, he made like. No, a few little noises, but there was noises where you think uh, it's the like, hmm, hmm, you know, little cries and stuff like that. But um, no, he, he didn't make much noises to say, oh, who spoke in that sense. But, yeah, he doesn't have like dialogue options and stuff like that for, you know, speaking with other characters. They all just kind of talk at him. Um, but he doesn't, he also like, they are cuter noises than something like you know, the Tasmanian devil, which would just be like, bleh, bleh, you know, um, he doesn't sound like that. He, he is cuter when he does vocalize. kind of like watching the dialogue here and you can see like the that original naughty dog template because the the kind of jokes they put into it are it, it's not too far off from their next big project which was jack and daxter which is much more like also very jokey and wisecracky uh the way this is as well so like um i, I see that personality shine through the the real interesting thing is those those levels like you said you played this at age six some of those things are hard. Like I couldn't, there was one that was so hard in the first crash game that like, I just noped out and was like, all right, I'm going to go play some of crash too, because I can't, I can't take it. Um, like there's some, like there are just very, very like challenging in terms of like having a very slim margin for error. Yeah, definitely. And you know what? Um, just thinking of it as well, you know, you, we were talking about, Crash didn't um, make many noises or anything. But then when they made these new games, they made them so he can actually speak, which I thought was incredible, uh, you know, because you, you're you obviously thinking, how would he sound like if he's actually speaking? Um, but they did a good job. Yeah, and he still sounds, you know, it. you recognize it as the same character that he's always been in terms of, yeah, his those little vocalizations, it still matches. Um, uh, but I like, I think, you know, I, I'm not a big fan of silent video game protagonists. That usually drives me nuts because it's like, I understand they're trying to immerse you in the thing and make you feel like, oh, I'm the character. So if if there's a voice for it, then that kind of makes it less like me. Um, but for the most part that generates a world where everyone is talking to you and you say nothing in response, which is like, no one goes through life that way. That's baffling. (laughs) It's really strange, um, you know, and like, I don't know, that just that always rubs me the wrong way. Like, I'll, I'll accept it in like a Souls game, you know, where you actually do have dialogue options. You just don't hear what the character says out loud. Um, and it's a lonely, isolated, uh, you know, um, creepy experience. But when it's like a cartoon like this, it is very odd that like all these characters are talking to you and you all you do is like kind of. Uh, you know, eye rolls and, you know, spit takes and stuff. Um, 
So yeah, I I'm glad they gave him a voice because that at least for me that always rubbed me the wrong way. Yeah, definitely because I, when they brought it out and he was talking, I was like, oh my god, this is actually good. It's more of a story to it now, and uh, you you get to know the character a bit more. Uh, which I always think when a character speaks, you get to know them a little bit more. But obviously, you know, back on the PlayStation One when it was just him running and he was just making a few noises. Yeah, you you were saying, well, this is him. Uh, all he does is spin around, uh, make a few noises. Um, but we don't know the character um, really, do we? Until he, he spoke into the new games. Yeah, they try to be, have him be one of these, you know, he's an anthropomorphic mammal with attitude. Like, clearly borrowing off of, of Sonic here. Um, but... Th- his attitude is a a little more manic yeah. than Sonic. Like they're trying to go for like, you know, Sonic is like the cool kid in school and Crash is a little more like he's got a screw loose somewhere. Um, th- that's kind of the, the motif they're going for with him. And I, I think that that works to a degree because he's constantly being beset by some of the weirdest shit. Um, and so for him to just kind of just blah, blah, like kind of, you know, blithely, blithely wander down these hallways through this stuff it fits for for a character who's kind of like basically again kind of a pair of googly eyes do you know what i liked about because of naughty dog as well naughty dog had done some crossovers with games um through the years and they did one um with crash bandicoot uh you remember in in charted 4 there was a mission where you played on the oh, playstation yeah, yeah. 1 I'm gonna go ahead and do the dishes. Stop, I'll do them. No, you on. did them last night. No, you cooked. I clean. It's fine. I mean, at least, at least, uh, let me, let me try to earn it or, or something. Let me uh, play you for it. You'll play me for yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Your little TV game thing. I bet I can beat your high score. You think that you can beat my high score on my TV game thing? Yeah, I think you're scared now. You don't even know what it's called. I don't need to know what it's <laughs> called. I've seen you play. It's right. jumping and running, and I have a natural talent oh, for that. Really? So what do you say, chicken? Is it a bet? Oh, wow. Okay, cowboy. Okay, watch and learn. Oh, I'm learning all right. Is this it? No, it has to load. Load? Yes. This is taking a really long time. You have no patience. When you turn something on, you expect it to... Okay, here we go. Crash Bandicoot. Is there a problem? No, no, just, uh... How do you, uh... How do you make it go? Push the start button. I knew that. All right. I got it. Okay, so you want to run towards the camera. Run to the camera. Got it. And the circle button is your spin attack. Spin attack! Yeah, press X to jump. Right, which one's X? Right thumb. Okay, run away from the boulder. Why is the boulder chasing me? Just run away from it. I did nothing to this boulder. That spin hurt. Watch that pit. This was really a cute thing. I, this this was an awesome kind of like um, 
flourish when they did this, that there's a level in Uncharted 4 where the characters, you know, are like, there's no action happening. It's all character building. And they're just sitting down at home for a night at home, right? We're trying to build up their, their domestic life. And one of them challenges the other to play a video game and they sit down to play it and it's Crash Bandicoot, but they actually let you, the player, play one level of the original Crash Bandicoot as part of, like, within this other game. I thought that was really cute. I, I thought it was brilliant. And the, the reason they did that is, as well, I think it was an Easter egg um, because not, I think, about a year or two, uh, yeah, about a year or two later, they brought the remastered version out of Crash Bandicoot. They brought the uh, Trogically, was it? Um, so they had one, two, and three, wasn't it? Yeah, it was called like the Insane Trilogy or something. That's what I have. Uh, and then that was just amazing the way they did that through Uncharted 4. And you got to play the original. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it was a sweet homage to their history, but also a way of like reminding you like, hey, remember this? This is a thing. Guess what? We're going to do more of it soon. Um, you know, not, not, it's a bit of synergy I can actually get behind <laughs> as opposed to just being naked commercialism. It was clever and cute. So I was I was on board for it. Yeah, same as me. And uh, as I believe as well, it they brought Crash Bandicoot in, was it Skylanders? It's possible. I know they've put him in other things. I was trying to remember if they had put him in Smash Brothers. I don't think they've done that yet. No. Um, but that's, somebody's got to be thinking about it. They did do a bunch of like... So Smash Brothers, for people who don't know, is a, a, a 2D fighting game where you choose from a roster of different Nintendo properties, you know, so you can be Mario or, or Link from the Legend of Zelda and Samus from Metroid and you fight each other in a 2D plane. Um, but they started adding in characters from other franchises as little like, hey, we're, you know, surprise, guess who's here? It's, you know, Solid Snake from Metal Gear. Um, they'd put them into these games. And so they put like maybe like two or three max into a game. And I know they did Sonic. Um, of course, then Nintendo acquired Sega. So that wasn't such a big deal. But but putting in um, uh, Snake from Metal Gear as a Sony character, uh, that was definitely a stretch. Somebody had to get involved with lawyers to make you know, for, to have the rights to do it. I suspect there have been discussions like we want to get Crash in there. But who knows? Because Sony made their own um Fight. I don't know if it was the biggest game in the world, but they did make a, a Sony version of that where their characters fought each other. And Crash must have been in that. I'm, I'm pretty sure he did. But do you remember a game called um, PlayStation All-Stars? That's the one I'm thinking of, yeah. Now, I don't think Crash was in it, but I remember they brought quite a few PlayStation characters in it. Like you had Sackboy from Little Big Planet. Uh, you have Nathan Drake from Uncharted. Um, I think you have, I think you have Kratos from God of War. Yeah, a few other big name characters. Uh, and that that was a good game in itself when they brought that out. But I I was hoping to see Crash Bandicoot in there or make appearance anyway. Yeah, it's, if he didn't, that's kind of surprising because again, this this was the marquee character for the PlayStation for a long time. Um, I don't know that you would even have a character for PS2 era that would be considered the, their foot. Maybe Kratos actually from God of War would have been it. Yeah. Um, but they've never had quite had like a long running character the way Nintendo and Sega have with Mario and Sonic. Um, it seemed like Crash was positioned to become that, but they kind of let the series fall by the wayside for a long time 
until they kind of recently picked it back up for guys like you who are nostalgic for that era of, uh, of their gaming history. Um, so how many of these did you, I mean, did you must've played all three of the main, you know, crash bandicoot games back in the day? Did, were there others that you were also into or? Um, yeah, well, I, I play, well, I, I started crash bandicoot four. Um, uh, but the thing is with me is that I'll see a new game come out and I go, oh yeah, let's buy that. And me and my mate will go harsh with it because we do game share, um, which obviously you can share each other's games. So we only go halves um, on games. So it, we we buy more games. Uh, it costs us less in a sense that we're paying half each, but then you buy more games, so you're spending more. So what happens with us is we'll buy a game uh, I'll start playing it, and then we'll see another game. I'll start. I'll stop the game that we bought recently, and I'll go on to the other one. My mate will just play that g- last game that we bought, play that out, complete it, and then go on to the next game that we just recently bought. Um, but I don't do that. I'm like always sixty percent. <laughs> okay, so you keep dipping a toe in, but never actually finishing anything. I'm yeah, I I will usually play something until I beat it. Um, I don't I'm not the kind of completionist who's like, I need to find every hidden thing. I need to do every side quest because I, I don't have that kind of time. And I'd rather experience something new than go there. But I will usually finish something unless I'm really just disenchanted with it. And I'm like, I just, you know, life's too short. Forget it. Um, and, and I'll nope out of a game, but mostly I will finish, uh, what I start, um, here. I didn't finish crash bandicoot, not because I wasn't, you know, intrigued by it, uh, but mostly because like, well, I was playing it to just kind of familiarize myself with it. Um, and it didn't really quite get its hooks in me, maybe because it was just so hard. I was like, I, I, I'm not in the mood for, a, for that kind of a challenge right now. I'm, I'm going to be a weenie a bit and kind of <laughs> back off here. Cause some of that stuff, like I said, is like, you know, you've got to do a whole bunch of very precision, precision jumping and the perspective of having crash coming toward you or away from you directly is a little tricky sometimes because you're on, you know, you know th- there might be a quote unquote 3d image, but you're playing it on a 2d television. So your ability to, um, deal with perspective is a little warped, you know, um, you know, it's, uh, you know, your, or I should say your, um, death perception is, uh, not fully functional when that's happening. So it's a little hard sometimes to go like, Oh, I thought I jumped and I correctly positioned crash over the next, you know, plank on this collapsed bridge. Uh, but in fact, I'll just fall right through a hole and oh, well. So I, I got a little frustrated with that. And that's, you know, I don't know if that's something that's on the game's design or just on me for not really, jo- you know, vibing with it exactly. But, you know, as you said, does, you know, I, I you beat this, I'm sure, when you were, you know, six. So it's not like it's, you know, to be fair, you want me to do. To be fair, though, it was, I, I'm with you on that. There were certain missions, if you don't press 
the but uh, the jump button in time you fell down a hole um if you didn't jump at the right time when there was a wheel coming across you got squashed by a wheel and and then you go back to the beginning and you keep trying and keep trying and uh, there's just certain missions where you think oh my god am i really still trying two two hours later still on the same level <laughs> uh yeah yeah I, and i don't know how to feel about that because on the one hand like when you're a kid especially you're you're willing to just beat your head against that you know until you finally you know prevail over it um and i think well that's beyond me but then again i'll like go and like beat melania in elden ring after 200 tries and go like how is that any different you know for me you know trying to deal with this mechanically you know you know highly challenging thing with zero margin for error like it's functionally the same thing um so i you know i just you know i feel like as a kid i definitely there's like you know, there's notoriously hard NES games that I had to beat without the benefit of, you know, being save states or the internet or anything. You just, you know, on a rental, I would get through Ninja Gaiden somehow and you would do it on the power of like indomitable uh, kid perseverance, which I think leaves, you know, I and I have young kids and I see this now where like, man, if they're stuck on something, they will stay stuck on it and they will not give up for anything. And so it's sort of like, okay, you know, you kind of need to, as a teenager, you get lazy and you go like, I, I don't have time for this. I, I got more important things to do. And you sort of have to relearn that level of perseverance at something like this. That's like deliberately kicking your ass. Um, it's, you know, that definitely brings me back. Like when I was playing, I was like, oh yeah, when I was six, I would have beat my head against this until I got it. Exactly. And now, and now you, you get older and you, you, you try it a few times and you go, nah, I'm switching it off now. <laughs> <laughs> You give up so so easy now, don't you, these days? Yep. But again, like I said, I did beat Melania on Elden Ring uh, after like some 200 tries. Like I, it's, it's still there. Like there is something in me that will go like, no, no, fuck you game. This time I've got, you know, it's, it's me and you, mano a mano. I'm going to do this. And uh, yeah, it's, it's just not as, it doesn't strike me as often as it used to. Definitely. And it's, it's same as me. Cause I, I like, I'll go on thinking, ah, I'm going to go on for an hour just to complete this level. I'm going to do it. I know I am. And then five, it co- five more minutes, mom. Just give me five more minutes. <laughs> and then you end I'll up looking at one o'clock, in, one o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. Oh, crikey. Let me have one more go. I'll try it again. But yep. it, it might be frustrating, but it's still in you. Like you say, I think it's something to do with it's addictive. Keep trying and trying because you want to beat it. Um, and you're saying to yourself, let's let's beat it, and if I don't, I'll go back. And you just keep doing it because you think, I'm going to beat it sometime, <laughs> don't you? Oh, there is definitely a, like a valuable lesson in terms of if, you know, if at first you don't succeed, try, try again. Yeah. Um, that there is that. And I, you know, I do, I am glad that like, you know, stuff like this exists because it was a good way to teach me that kind of a lesson that, you know, later on in life, I'm sure I've had to, you know, draw upon that well that, you know, um, these you know, games beat into me. Um, but there's still stuff that like at a certain point, yeah, it is just too hard. Like I'm, I'm I don't know if you ever played the classic, uh, NES Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles game. Like that's one that's like notoriously hard. Um, there's a few others that are just like, I don't know if they're, you know, I, I can't say if Crash Bandicoot is as hard as these. I did. I didn't finish it. I guess that is saying something, but there's a few out there that are just like 
no man, nobody beats this game. Ghosts and Goblins was another one that was like, you, you, no one can beat this. It's freaking impossible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I know what you mean, and that's that's with me is that I, I think I'm going to complete this, and but you never do. <laughs> and uh, what what I like about PlayStation now is, I I, I like to see. Uh, I'm a, I love trophies coming up and saying, oh yeah, that that. Keeps me going as well because you know you've done a level if you complete uh, you got a trophy coming up on your screen. It's like ah, I completed a level. Let's go on to one more level, and then you you're on that for ages as well. But um, I think it's more to do with addiction more than anything, because like you say, um, when you were a kid, you you wouldn't care. You wouldn't care if it took hours and hours. Because when you're a kid, you're like, oh, this is, this is brilliant. Even if you didn't know what you were doing, you're like, oh, yeah, it's still playing here. Um, but now, like you say, you feel like you're going to give up. But you, this it's still in you that tells you to keep going, doesn't it? And um, that's one of the downfalls for me in the sense that if I don't go back to a game in a long time, um, I end up starting a new game and I forget about game that I was supposed to complete in the first place. And you lose the like um, that one-to-one correspondence between the game and your hands, where you're like, I can make this character do whatever I want, and what all these buttons do, it's like second nature. And if you do take that break after a while, it's like, oh crap, uh, what does circle do again? You know, like you're you're back at square one mostly. Like I I got fairly far into Cuphead, and I put it down. And then now my friend and I have been doing a lot of online, like, you know, okay, we'll do a two player and we'll both play. And it's taken me a while to kind of get back into that. Like, oh, right. That's the rhythms of this very, very hard, you know, precise thing. Um, And yeah, that's why, again, I'm kind of the person who's like, I'm going to play this one game until I'm all done with it. And then I'll put it away and I don't have to worry about remembering how the buttons work until, you know, they put out some DLC and I'm back in that position. Um, But uh, yeah, I I mean, Crash is, um, to kind of bring it back to where we were starting here with Crash Bandicoot, um, the way these levels are designed is, you know, yes, you've got these very challenging hallways, but they've also got some cool little tributaries off that where you go and find secrets. Once in a while, you'll go up or down an elevator and all of a sudden you're in a 2D level. Um, you're, You're going, you're you still using the crash tool set, but in a different way. And I thought that was really cool that they were able to still kind of go like, Oh, we're going to really bridge this 2d 3d gap by giving you 2d bits inside of a 3d game. Yeah. I thought that was, was incredible. And 
Do you know what I thought would be a really good crash game? Is um if they did what they did with um oh what game was it? Uh Mario Maker. Now that Oh yeah that yeah. that was fantastic because it allowed you to create your own levels and uh you know, go through your own levels and share it to people so they can play on, on it as well. And I think it, Crash Bandicoot would be really, really good if you could create your own levels, wouldn't it? What, what do you think about I, that one? No, I, that's actually a really interesting point. I'm surprised, given how successful Mario Maker was, they've done two of them now, where, you know, it's a two, you, you buy this tool set and you can make your own Mario, 2D Mario levels, with not only all of the uh, things that were part of that game, um, those Mario original 2D Mario games back in the day, but with um, things that weren't, where they added in new uh, power-ups and obstacles and, you know, enemies and things to really let you mix and match and make whatever you want. I'm surprised that that format has not been implemented for other franchises, a Sonic one or a Donkey Kong Country one would be cool. Or in this case, yeah, 3D. I think actually Crash Bandicoot, because of that hallway structure, really lends itself to something like this. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think it would be pretty decent. Uh, I I also like the, um, like I say, Crash Team Racing as well. Uh, I don't know whether you ever tried that one. Did you try that one? I've not. No, I didn't get a chance to try the Crash Team Racing stuff. The really the only like game of that stripe I've played are you know, the various Mario Kart racing games. Um, I know they put out they've they did a Sonic one. They've done some other like kart racers, um, all of which are sort of in the Mario Kart mold. As is, I know a Crash uh, the Crash Racer uh, is in the Mario Kart mold, but I never actually got my hands on it. Like, so what did you think of it? Was it different than Mario Kart, or is it pretty much a clone, or or what was it like? I, I thought it was um, similar, similar to um, Mario Kart. Um, yeah, I think they're all similar. I mean, you look at I think uh, there's a game out now is it speedrun disney speedrun and that that oh, yeah, that, disney, that looks disney like it as well. yeah and, that, and that's free to download i believe as well I mean, all, all of them. It's one of it's one of those things where, like, you know, the the Mario Kart formula is sort of like it's so strong that it's people kind of go like, well, you know, you're not going to do it better. You might be able to do it slightly different, but like that just sort of it felt like they solved an equation with that one of like this is how you do it. Like, don't don't try to do it another way. You're only it's only going to be you know down from here. Um, so yeah, I have not tried the crash one. I but yeah, so you said it's it's pretty much uh, like the Mario kart racing thing. It's like a bunch of different courses. You've got little, uh, I assume power-ups you find along the track that let you act offensively or defensively against the other racers. Yeah. So basically, you know, you know, um, on the original crash bandicoot, you had the boxes thing in, you crashed into them. There'll be apples. There'd be, a, um, a mask. I forgot what it was called. I, f- I keep forgetting what that's, that was called. 
Uh, but also you had, um, yeah, well, basically the the apples and you had the explosion, uh, the TNT um, boxes as well. So on um, Crash Team Racing, you used to crash into them. Um, and there was, I think they had other things. So you crash into them and then you chuck them at the other players. So yeah, it's it's got a Mario Kart vibe to it. Uh, but what I will say is, I think Mario Kart is a little bit different and it's better because there's more characters on that game. Again, it's one of those things where like the, it's their playground, uh, you know. So they're the ones who get to make the rules, and it's not. Un, it's understandable that they would sort of have the most command of that. Um, did they ever expand Crash into other kinds of stuff? Like you know, there's like Mario Golf and Mario Tennis. Like, did they ever follow the template all the way down to that kind of stuff too, where there was like other kinds of um, Crash games? I don't. Think they did, you know, and that's that's the, one of the things that I thought they might have done, gone down that way. You know, you, they could have done. They could have had. You know, uh, Crash Team Golf or something like that. It's, it could be named Crash Team Golf or, uh, you know, uh, Crash Football. Maybe <laughs> you know, you you could have you could dissolve things that they could make a little bit different. Um, but no, they they never did it, which I thought was sad because you look at the Mario and the Sonic games. Um, you know, they did the Olympics. That was another good one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Mario and Sonic Olympic games. I again never played them, but I'm I was aware of them. Yeah, that was on the that, Nintendo yeah. Wii. Uh, any other like special crash memories from childhood that you have of like you know opening the thing on Christmas or just like playing it with a sibling or anything like that? Yeah, it was basically you know f- f- my first highlight was getting a PlayStation, the the very first PlayStation. I mean, it was only called PlayStation if you remember, and then the little one was. PlayStation 1, which people got confused. I mean, you could basically say the big one is the PlayStation 1, but it wasn't called the PlayStation 1, was it? It was just called PlayStation. So um, opening that for Christmas was brilliant. And then obviously getting the first uh, Crash Bandicoot game. Uh, It was just like, you know, any kid at Christmas and they open something like that. It's it's, It's a brilliant feeling. And then obviously... You have your breakfast and uh, your parents don't see you for the rest of the day then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That, well, that, of course, you get a new toy and you have to... That, that is now your new uh, world. Um, James, we're kind of coming up on time. So I, I just want to give you the floor and, and ask you, you know, what? why do you think it is that people still love Crash Bandicoot? Here we are, you know, pushing, you know, two and a half, three decades on now. I think, to me, I think it's because it was the... F- Probably the probably the very first proper PlayStation character that ev- everyone adored, um, because it was just obviously this f- fox, um, with nice chill, nice chilled fox, and I think he was a fox anyway. <laughs> Unless I got that wrong, but he's a bandicoot. He's got to be a bandicoot. Yeah, he's got to be a bandicoot. Yeah, I think it was just. It was one of them, wasn't it? Um, he's the one of the longest PlayStation characters, uh, and you know, cause they brought him back. I think it's just people are like, oh my god, Crash Bandicoot is still alive. You know, it's one of them. Um, 
even though he didn't die, but they didn't bring any games at all out since the last release, which I don't know whether it was PlayStation 1 or PlayStation 2, um, but that's going back so many years ago. And then to bring a PS4 game out of it, and then obviously remastered version of Crest Team Racing, because I believe Crest Team Racing was on the original PlayStation as well. Um, yeah, I think people just... It's because he's just an ador- adorable character and uh, one of the very first PlayStation characters to be on the console. So I think people still love Crash Bandicoot because of that reason. And uh, yeah, I think they've, they've done really, really well with him because when you look back on the PlayStation 1, his fear didn't look like fear, did it? <laughs> so it was one of them. He <laughs> was like, As it, does he actually have skin? <laughs> um, but now that they brought him out again, you know, the graphics are amazing. You can actually see his hair standing up. And his nose is his nose at at the start was like like that squashed with his eyes, and he had two little eyeballs. It's like he looked gauzy at one stage. I thought, <laughs> um, but now he looks. They've stretched his nose out. It's he's got a proper nose. Uh, yeah, I think they've done a brilliant job. And um, yeah, who doesn't like Spandicoot? I mean, I think that's it, right? I think the the secret is, you know, it, you never forget your first love. And if you're a gamer of a certain age, like th- this hit you, it's the right character with the right format at the right time. And there's just not much more to it than that. I mean, it's it's uh, it's a winning combination. So, um, James, I want to tell the folks a little bit about uh, Teamworks and where they can find you. Yeah, so Teamworks is a podcast to do with uh, gaming um, and beyond. So the gaming, we talk about the gaming world and anything else that people would like to talk about. We started back in uh, twenty twenty one um, when COVID was around and the pandemic. Um, we only did a few episodes to start off with, and then you know, I, I it was a, a tough time for everyone. So I don't know the reason, but we just stopped. And then I I came back the other year and I said to my mate, I said, Do you know what? We need to we need to start it up again. I said, But we got I've got a really good idea. Why don't we invite guests on our show each week? And he went, That's a fantastic idea. So since then we've uh, gone on to season two. Uh, we're on season two now. Uh, we've had a little break over the Christmas period, but we will be back soon. Uh, we're carrying on from um, season two, because we're we're, we're going to have season two a little bit longer than season one. Uh, but also we've brought back we've brought back a few of our old um guests that have been in season one, um, with a show called Game Showdown. So basically, we bring them back, but they're interviewing us rather than us interviewing them. Um, and yeah, uh. We had a Christmas special that is out on Spotify. You can listen to that now. Uh, we went a little bit too long on that one. It was about two and a half hours talk, I think, but as you do. Um, so that was a bit 
it, it was like let, let's just say it was it was a crazy one. It was funny. Um, there was full of laughter, like like it should be. And what we say to our guests is, um, you don't have to uh, answer questions if you don't want to. We want our guests to feel welcome. Um, there's no time limit to when you answer them questions. And um, I always say the show is yours. So it, it's a nice and relax uh, podcast. And uh, I do it with a mate called. Uh, Phil, uh, Phil um, is my co-presenter, and yeah, we we try and get as many episodes out, and we do a week. We try and get it to be a weekly. You can you can get us on we're on Spotify and Apple Podcasts at the moment, but also we have a Facebook page which is Teamworks Podcasts. Uh, we also have a Twitter page called uh, TW Pod One. And also we have a Instagram page, which is Teamworks Podcasts. But we also, if you want to get contact us by email as well, it's uh, teamworkspodcast at outlook.com. Well, there you go. Um, so to do that admin on our side, if you uh, want to leave us feedback, I'll put a link to all of our uh, social media portals in the show notes. But basically we are on X, Blue Sky, Threads, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Uh, the TikTok is mostly used for me doing some bullshit impressions and stuff, but still fun. Um, so but please check that out. Um, so uh, if, you, if you have thoughts on our recent episodes, which will include, let's see, as I'm doing my math in my head, uh, most recently was Mitch Hedberg. Before that was Matchbox 20. And before that was... Uh, Independence Day. Uh, if you have thoughts on our upcoming episodes, which should be uh, an, another uh, look at our favorite Disney songs, after that is going to be, I believe, Spaceballs and then Robocop. So lots of fun stuff uh, in the works, as always. Um, James, man, thanks so much for dropping by and bringing this to our attention. This was a lot of fun. Yeah, it has been, mate. And I'm just glad that we've managed because we've had to cancel a few times with a few things in there. I was, I was tonight I was saying no I'm going to do it because uh, I've been dying to do it for weeks and obviously, <laughs> obviously things got in the way um, but it, it, it's been a pleasure being on the show mate oh, I'm just glad we could make it happen so uh, folks until next time that is one more entry in the Nostalgia Arcana Is that Italian? No, Bandicoot is an Australian name.